Today, we are joined by Till copywriter, Sarah Klongerbo. She's going to provide us with five tips that listeners can implement today for better ad copy. Sarah is a skilled copywriter, and she helps us not only with client projects, but all sorts of Till projects from our own ads to emails and landing pages to content creation. We're grateful to have her on the team over here at Till. Head on over to till.agency for the show notes, and while you're there, consider registering for our free upcoming Black Friday Cyber Monday Q&A session. Believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner, and you know it's true, because if you've walked into any big box store lately, the fall decorations are already out. We'll be covering tips for how to have your best Black Friday and Cyber Monday yet. All right, now let's get to the episode. You're listening to the Stuff Marketers Say podcast, the only podcast that tells you the truth about marketing 60% of the time, all the time, from start to scale and beyond. All right. Welcome to another episode of Stuff Marketers Say. Very special episode here. I have our copywriter extraordinaire, Sarah Klongerbo with us, who's going to chat with us about five tips for writing effective ad copy. Jeez. Yeah. And tip number one, make sure that your copy is clear, Davey. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. It's Monday. It's Monday morning. I've been up already for six hours. But anyways, not the point. Here we are. So I'm excited about this topic. Uh, I feel like this is one of those topics that we get a lot of questions about anytime it comes to you know copy. I feel like especially a lot of our, our clients right, are pretty they're in creative fields. I feel like imagery, I'd love to hear what you think about this, but I feel like imagery for a lot of our clients is pretty easy. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's so visual, right? It's immediate. You can just tell whether or not something is good right away. I think writing is a little bit more nebulous. Yeah, absolutely. And so I I feel like from a brand perspective, like, you know, when we get even brand uh, guidelines from clients, very much visually focused, and not a lot of people have gone through necessarily. That's not true. I shouldn't say that. I, I feel like it's maybe more common for us to get less guidelines as far as you know brand voice guidelines go. So you know exactly a, a, you know a client avatar. This is the kind of language we use versus we never say these words for you know this reason. It's sort of something that's you know it's like well look at our Instagram. <laughs> Totally. Yes. That's actually the number one response I think I get when I ask clients about their brand voice is just go see what we've done before. And, you know, as a copywriter, I actually appreciate that advice because it actually really does help to just kind of go and emulate what they've done before. But I do think it's a unique challenge for a lot of clients that they haven't thought about before is, oh, how do I actually nail down my brand voice? And what is a brand voice? And so that's a fun challenge that we get to explore together as the copywriter and the client. Yeah, for sure. And and one thing I admire about your skill set is that you can go in and you can look at something like somebody's Instagram feed and then go and write, you know, copy that that sounds like, you know, that sounds like the client without necessarily having, you know, those guidelines in place. And I should say too, like even you know, I, it sounds like I'm giving our clients a hard time, but really it's not so much that clients haven't thought about it as much as it's one of those things where it's just, it's just like they do it, you know? So it's not that they don't do it well, it's just they, they do it. And it's not as easy as, you know, in some ways I think then as with a visual brand where maybe you have like the hex codes for your colors, you know, and it's all kind of neatly, you know, and this is the kind of, these are the fonts we use and whatnot, right? Like to, to quote you as earlier, you know, it's a little bit more nebulous. 
Yes, yes. And actually, I feel like that's a sign of a good brand voice is that if you know it so well that you almost don't even know how to describe it because it is your voice. I mean, think if any of us were to describe our own speaking voice, how would you describe that? I have no idea. So I I think that's, yeah, yeah. Like you said, not to give people a hard time for not knowing how to describe it, because hopefully that means that you have your personality kind of nailed down. And yeah, as long as we can, you know, emulate that across your brand, I think that's sometimes the tricky part is just making your brand voice consistent. You know, sometimes people will write their own website copy or something. But then, yeah, when they pass it off to either an agency or another copywriter or even themselves when they're trying a new format, it can be really hard to to keep that consistent. But I think that's super, super important for the user experience across all channels is to keep that brand voice consistent. Yeah, I think it's actually kind of interesting too, just having a outside perspective, you know, come in. I mean, to a certain extent, when you started taking over some of our brand voice stuff as a like as till, it's just helpful having someone come in and like write, you know, according to the brand. I mean, it maybe gives you a little bit of an outsider's perspective on on your own brand voice because it is important. Like, even though you might know it so well, hopefully it's recognizable to others too. You know, somebody somebody else might have an easier time to be like, oh yeah, Sarah, I know her re- really well. And this is what she sounds like. These are the things that Sarah says a lot. You know, it's nice to have that, have somebody, a professional, you know, come in and, and say those things back to you to a certain extent. So I think that's like a, or I hope a, a helpful activity even for um, our clients. But, but real quick about you, how long has writing been something you love? Oh, gosh, forever. I mean, yeah, I was your classic bookworm as a child. I mean, literally, Davey, I would bring books to my family Christmases and sit in the corner and read books and just not socialize with my own family. That's how much I loved words. So yeah, ever since then, I always thought, oh, I'm going to be a writer because that's what readers do. They become writers. So yeah, I actually went to college for English because I just wanted to be an English teacher. Actually, that's what I thought you did. I thought you became a writer. And if you couldn't make it in the publishing world, you became a teacher, which you know does happen a lot. (laughs) But then I got into the classroom and realized, heck no, this is not for me. So yeah, so then I pursued creative writing as my my major. And ever since then, I've had uh, writing as part of my profession in one form or another. Yeah, awesome. And we feel so grateful to have you <laughs> on, on Till's team. And I tell you that all the time. And I go to you for so many different uh, projects, you know, f- spanning from the emails that we write. So if, you, if you're if you on Till's email, uh, email list, you really, and if you're not, you should sign up because uh, I think our emails are just top notch uh, in terms of content and quality and engaging too, you know, which uh, again, a lot of what you bring to to our emails, to, you know, our social media captions, to the, the copy that we write for clients. So we rely on Sarah for a lot. And it feels like you've been part of the team for forever, but it's been what, maybe a year plus, almost a year? Right. Yeah. Probably somewhere around there. I want to say it was like the holidays. Yeah. Last year that I, that I joined the team. Yeah, so. it was. Okay. So now it's back. So it's not even, it hasn't, we're yeah, you know, coming up quite, on a year. But- 
Yeah. So I'm excited for, I'm excited to dive into this conversation for people to hear what you have to say because you write a lot of copy each week. You know, we have a pretty sizable client list. And so you have a lot of different projects that you write each week. And you split that with our other copywriter who's also uh, super talented, Dylan. So let's dive in. We're talking about five tips for writing ad copy. Uh, and just a point of clarification too a lot of our tips. We have Facebook and Instagram ads in mind, but I think that these are good tips for really any, I think, project that needs copy. Uh, I'm even thinking sales pages, you know, website copy. I think each of these can apply to to any of those things. So hopefully they're helpful even beyond uh, Facebook and Instagram ads. Uh, but we figure that's a good place to start just because of the format of Facebook and Instagram ads. Typically ads that could have longer form copy if you want to write longer form copies. So where should we start? What tip? Oh, man. I mean, it was hard to narrow it down even to five. But <laughs> let's start with the thing that we'll I think is the most important. Part two and part three of this, uh, right? this interview too. Yeah. All right. So uh, tip number one. Tip number one would be start with the call to action. And as you know, every ad obviously has a call to action. That's the point of an ad is to get people to take the next step. So start there, you know, and go backwards from that is what I would say, making sure that every single word that you write supports the call to action. You know, I think there's a couple uh, important distinctions that we can even make for the call to action. Because one thing, somewhere we start, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, is we have, before we'll ever write ad copy, before we get started, the client has to give us the landing page that we're running traffic to. So maybe you could speak to you know, why we do that. But then, you know, even between whatever the call to action is on the landing page and something you mentioned just about the Facebook ad or Instagram ad or whatever ad it is, the point is to get somebody to take the next step. So obviously there should be some congruency between taking the next step and, you know, people are kind of understanding what they're going to find on the landing page. But ultimately we're looking for that click, right? You know, like somebody to click and then land on, you know, the landing page. But anyways, so why do we start with that landing page copy? Totally. Well, congruency is a great word to have used because I think that, a, well, I don't even just think this, I know this, that a way to get people to convert is to make sure that their experience is consistent, that they don't, you know, see an ad, read an ad, click on it, and then be taken to a landing page that seems to have nothing to do with what they just experienced. So it's really important for the user experience that they feel that they're kind of taken on that journey. Like you said, like the first step is to get them to click. The next step is to get them to take whatever action the landing page has, which is typically either, you know, downloading an offer or buying something. So yeah, it's it's super important that the ad supports the landing page. And that's why we always start. And like you said, one of my favorite things as a copywriter to do is review the client's material. And so well before I write one word of copy, I'm reading every single word on that landing page, kind of putting myself in the the shoes of the potential buyer or downloader just saying, okay, how are they experiencing this page? And if I take myself one step removed and go back to the ad, what would they like to see in order to get there? What's really, you know, the common driving force here and starting with that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I like that. I, I like the, you know, kind of that double 
so there's that there's kind of two purposes there. I mean, you know, first in congruency and making sure that when somebody lands on the the landing page, like if you made it sound like it was some sort of free offer and then they get to the the landing page and it's the sales page for a product, it's like, well, you know, that's that's an easy way for people to, you know, hit the back button or, you know, click out of the browser or whatever, you know, whatever, but leave the leave the page. At the same time, you want to make sure that your copy is you know, sort of catchy enough or, you know, whatnot that you get people to to click over uh, to begin with. So I think it's important for people listening, you know, where to start even with Facebook ads. Well, you know, a couple of materials that you need to have in place before you run your first ad. One would be a landing page. Mm-hmm. Yep. And actually something we do too with our clients is, you know, if we're reviewing the landing page and we notice that there's something missing there or, you know, maybe a certain part could be improved. We try and make that recommendation because like you said, that's that's what needs to be in place before we can even run good ads. You know, we could run the best ad in the world, but if the landing page, you know, just isn't quite up to snuff, then people are going to bounce from that page. So it's yeah, very important to have both the ad and the landing page just really clear, really relevant to the user. Yeah. One thing too I love about starting with landing pages, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit as well, the different parts that are kind of done for you already when it comes to ad copy. You know, like if you if we have a really good landing page, then typically there's probably some headlines that are in there or, or headings in the landing page copy that we can pull out and either modify or maybe just sometimes straight up use as the the headings for the ad itself. You're totally right. And yeah, it feels like it's almost cheating as a copywriter to just, yeah, use the same exact headline as one of our options, but it works, you know? I mean, like you said, people want a congruent experience and and yeah, sometimes and actually that's, you know, skipping ahead to one of my other points, being clear is the best thing that you can do. And if you're just flat out sharing the the name of whatever it is that you're offering, that's as clear as you can be. And that's actually serving the user more than just coming up with some crazy, clever phrase. Yeah. And maybe maybe we could skip to that tip next. So I know that was, I know we're skipping down the list a little bit here, but maybe we'll talk about that next uh, tip around not being clever, but being clear. And I really like that. I think it's something that you do really well. And one of the reasons that I want to skip to that is because I do think people make copy in general a lot harder than it has to be because they think they need to be the wittiest person in the world or super funny or, you know, whatever it might be, but they, but it ends up just, you know, adding maybe unnecessary complexity or, it just makes the, the ad copy itself unclear. So what have you, like in general, what do we find typically performs best? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, keeping it short and sweet is probably the best thing that you can do when you're writing ad copy. Like you said, whether you're new to copywriting or you're an experienced copywriter, you, the tendency is to want to almost insert our own ego in there and yeah, be witty and and try out something new and you know, you th- I don't know. We just think that we think that people want to respond to things that are completely new when in reality they want to respond to the familiar. And especially when you have such a short amount of space, you really don't have very much time to get people's attention. You don't have very much time to get them to take the next action. So being honestly as concise as possible, even literally sometimes just buy now, exclamation point. 
at the end of your copy or, you know, as the call to action, that can be, that can serve your audience more than some flowery language. And, you know, one other thing I'd like to say is, you know, using details when appropriate, you know, sometimes I think we try and avoid things like price because we think, oh, the price is going to scare them off. But actually, again, being clear can actually really serve your audience even more because even Facebook says that price listings themselves can motivate people to buy. And I think that's because, you know, as people, we just, we want to have our expectations met. We almost are wary of, you know, an offer that doesn't even describe what it is. It's, it's unclear. So we don't trust it. So we avoid it. But really being honest in your, in your ad copy can be probably the best thing that you can do for your audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say, especially if you're like, if you don't consider yourself particularly good at copywriting, you know, I mean, somebody like you, Sarah, I mean, I know you're very capable of writing long form uh, copy. And, and that's something that we certainly, that we certainly test on our, our side. But I know that, that not everybody feels, you know, super comfortable writing copy. And so I think that having that pressure that you don't have to be, you know, super, you know, super witty or whatever, and you can be clear and concise, I think goes a long way. And, you know, I'd say that some of these other tips too uh, are more important than the length of your ad copy. And we found, you know, just, and you, maybe you could speak to this as well. I know in the past we've run different tests with, you know, short form copy versus long form copy. And I don't think we've ever found a consensus across the board for what performs better. I think it's always been very client and industry dependent, you know, very product dependent even versus like, oh, long form copy always wins or short form copy always wins. But I will say that. I, I agree. I think uh, clear and concise copy typically just does well, you know, so. Yeah, you're right. I don't think that we've found any common denominators as far as length of copy. And I think the research would support that too across other agencies and clients. But what I would say is probably true is, you know, the more you're asking for from the user, you know, say the more money, if you're running ads to a course, that's maybe a couple thousand dollars, long form is probably going to serve you better because you really need to warm up the audience a little bit more versus, yeah, if you're just asking for a simple download for a, you know, a lead generator, short form is, is definitely going to be better for you in that sense. But, but yeah, testing again, skipping ahead a little bit to one of our other, our other tips, but testing is always always recommended, not just across, you know, clients, you know, or brands, but right down to the offer and the campaign itself, because things can change, you know, you could have, especially most of us, most of our businesses, we're not simply selling one thing or providing one offer. We have many different offers, depending on what people are able to commit to or afford. So yeah, just keeping all of those things in mind. Yeah, awesome. Well, we can go back to what originally was tip number two, but it's tip number three. So just to recap for people listening, starting with the call to action and really, you know, I think kind of the sub, you know, 1A there would be writing out that landing page, writing that sales page or product page, whatever page it is that you're going to be running ads to, um, having that nailed down before moving on to the ad copy itself. That's going to be super helpful when you're trying to come up with ad copy. So starting with the CTA, number one, tip number two was not to be clever, but to be, or rather, you know, don't be clever 
at the expense of clarity. I think that's probably the best way to put it. We're not telling you you can't be funny or you can't, you can't be witty. So those tips one and two. So tip number three, what's tip number three? Tip number three, which should actually probably be tip number one in most circumstances, not just for copywriting, but for any type of engagement with your audience is to speak to your audience. And what that means is, you know, before you can speak to your audience, you have to know your audience. So, you know, going back to even thinking about our onboarding calls with our own clients, we really try and nail down who is your target audience. And sometimes you have multiple different personas and that's fine. And, you know, your persona can be as defined or as nebulous as you want it to be, but you do need to have, you know, a buyer persona in mind because otherwise you're trying to speak too broadly to too many people. So really nailing down who that is first and foremost is really important. And then making sure that your ad copy really speaks personally to those people. I've heard it's helpful to have that one specific person in mind. You know, the word best friend is used, but that's not necessarily relevant in every case. Your your persona usually isn't your best friend. So just making sure that you have someone in mind who you're speaking to, whether that's yeah, it, it could be anything, but you want to make sure that you're maintaining your own brand voice while speaking their language. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I mean doing some sort of persona avatar activity is, you know, worth it. And it's always more compelling, you know, as somebody who's getting marketing, you know, so if you see an ad, right, like, and it, and it feels like it's speaking directly to your pain points and, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for, that's always more powerful than some vague ad that can, you know, so with some product that can solve any problem for anyone, you know, we want to know that when we come across a product, like, is this the best product for me? You know, is this the best service for me? Not just that it's good. You know, a lot of times when we're coming across different products and services, I mean, I know if I see a product that's relatively new and maybe it kind of sparks something like, I don't I didn't really think I needed that, but you know, that sounds cool. And I start doing some research, right? What I'm, what I'm looking for is like, is it is it going to work best for me? Is it the best out there? You know, uh, whatever. I was talking to a, co- a consultant recently and it wasn't about till necessarily, like that wasn't the basis of the conversation, but he started giving some feedback just for me for till. And I thought it was fascinating too. And it was talking about niching down and he's like, who are you talking to, man? And I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, we, yeah. And we do, we have, we have a, a I think a, a variety of clients for sure. Even though a lot of our biz our, our you know, client base or online businesses, SaaS businesses in particular, he's like, you know, specialists are winning, you know, specialists are winning. And so it's something he, he mentioned right over and over again. And it's like, it's something that like I know, but it's, it, it's helpful to be reminded of. Right. And, and so it was, and I was sitting there, I was like, you know, you're totally right. And so already have like a list of things to do, you know, on our, some of our own uh, marketing collateral on our website and, and so on and so forth. So I think that is a crucial, a crucial tip. What are some of the things that you would recommend people do to figure out, you know, okay, who, who am I speaking to and who is my, you know, buyer persona? Yeah, well, you touched on something that I think is really important for us to all to ask ourselves, whatever business or brand we have is what makes us different, not just from, you know, other solutions, but our competitors, you know, just really trying to narrow in on on not just the pain points that we solve, but how we solve them differently from other people who are solving the same pain points. So, you know, really trying to 
do some, you know, competitor research. And, and this isn't to make it, you know, competitive, but business by nature is competitive. And hopefully, if you have a business or brand, it's because you feel that you can do things a little bit differently than other people can and maybe a little bit better. And so really just trying to hone in on those value points that you have that nobody else does. The differentiating factor is really what's going to get people to buy. Because like you even said earlier, when you're doing product research, you know, an ad might show you a solution that you didn't know that a solution to a problem you didn't even know you had. But beyond that, you're not just probably going to buy that product right away. You're going to go do some research on other alternatives. So just making sure that you know your place in the market really well, I think is going to serve you when it comes to writing your ad copy, because you're going to focus on those things that uh, no one else can do. And sometimes, you know, something that can help you here is really including some social proof. You know, I'm thinking about product research again, and how much of us, how much of our product research relies on, you know, reviews, five-star ratings, you know, testimonials. So including that in your copy can actually be a very powerful way to get people to put themselves in other people's shoes and go, oh, that that sounds like me. And if they had that result, I could maybe get that result too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like product reviews and, and social proof because it's a very easy way, especially if you're struggling using your uh, client's voice, right? Like if you're trying to, or your brand voice or whatever, or describe your product or service in the way that your clients you know, connect with it. Social proof does, right? Because it's literally your clients and your, uh, your customers, you know, speaking back to you, their perception of, you know, your, your product. So a great way to get at sort of that differentiation and even thinking about differentiation in terms of like use cases, you know, I'm thinking about like this Sony a6400 that I use for the, you know, YouTube channel and various video calls and things like that. You know, I know it's not the very best video camera out there, you know, but that would be, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars more than what I need for a YouTube channel, right? You know, but I know that, you know, based on different reviews that the A6400 is like a, it's going to get me quality picture. Um, but so it's going to look, you know, professional, but at the same time, you know, that's more manageable and I forget how much it costs, but certainly not, you know, what some of these, some video cameras, my videographer friends have that are 15,000 plus dollars, you know, like I don't need that for a, for a YouTube channel. So thinking through those things, for sure, for sure helpful. Should we go on to tip four? Sure. Yeah. So tip number four is really a bunch of like little mini tips into one big tip. I tried to squeeze as many in here as I could, but it's really to do your best to stand out in the feed. And so there are a lot of different ways that you can get your ad to stand out and we can dive into that. But the bottom line here being that what is your ultimate goal here? Well, the first goal is to get people to stop the scroll, right? Because we're all busy. We're all thumbing our thumbs along our screens and, and you know, trying to get as much content in as possible in our busy schedules. And, you know, we often just want to see photos of our friends' kids or watch cat videos. We're not here to see. <laughs> so. Is cat videos, or is that still a craze? Are people still watching cat videos? I mean, I think so. I feel like that's like a timeless. I don't even like cats, but I'll watch internet videos. activity. Yeah, perennial. Yeah, yeah. And so again, this is I think a particularly important. I think very much a an ad specific 
you know, of all the copy tips we've gone over, you know, I think that this is probably the most ad specific because like you said, you know, what we're doing in uh, a lot of advertising is interrupting interruption marketing. So we need to get people to stop what they're doing and pay attention to what we're doing. So what are your, your just kind of go-to ways to get somebody's attention in an ad copy specifically? Yeah, totally. I mean, I hate the word clickbait just by nature of the word, but (laughs) that's kind of where we're headed here, if I'm just being honest. But, you know, clickbait, and okay, I'm probably using the term incorrectly because true clickbait probably is like a bait and switch type thing. This, we're not trying to do that. That's definitely the connotation. Yeah. 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 We're just trying to catch people's attention, like you said. So, a couple different ways to get people's attention. Number one, well, number one is to use numbers in your copy. Again, kind of a clickbaity type of practice is to use a listicle where it will say, you know, top five ways. For instance, the title of what this podcast will probably end up being is probably top five ways five tips, to yeah. write ad Top copy. five ways, five yeah. tips, something like that. Yeah. Five simple tips you can use today. Yeah. For sure. Yep. But it's just proven that that is more engaging than just simply saying how to write good ad copy is by using that number because it gets people to immediately think, oh, okay, there's like a, there are five here and I need to know the five. So that's just one way to use numbers. You can also use things like specifying the length of your free trial. So instead of just saying start a free trial, you can say start your free 14-day trial to really get people to think concretely about what it is that you know they're signing up for. And then the other things too, like whether you're talking about you're trying to use some either social proof or you know just evidence of your your product working, you could say something like we've seen sales increase by 10% by using this you know, this practice or this product, just ways to get people to have their eye caught, not only by the the number, but to really believe in the validity of, of your product or your offer. Sure. Sure. So that's one way. Yeah. What's a, What's another? Another way, one of my favorite ways is to use emojis. I also like to use a few emojis. Oh, good. I mean, <laughs> I know some people are like, I feel like I've heard this. Is this true that the younger generation is like straying away from emojis? That's what I hear. I'm told uh, via Krista. Krista, if I came across some sort of list recently, and I want to say it had to do more with like, I don't know, it was like the way that girls part their hair now or something like that and emojis. And I forget what the other stuff, but Krista thought it was, she, I remember her reading it off to me and she was like, can you believe this? Uh, and I, was, I, I, I really don't what care, but I still old? use it. And it was, wasn't it a specific emoji? I feel like if anybody like younger is listening to this right now, we sound like probably what, what our parents sound like to us. Like they're, yeah, you know, the kids and their smartphones. I know. But the laughing, the, the laughing, crying emoji, I feel like that one's apparently, apparently out. What the heck? Well, how are you That's supposed to... That's my favorite to emoji. That's the only emoji that I laugh. use. If I, I had top I emojis and it was literally just a list of my, my last 10 emojis, it would just be that emoji. <laughs> that would be it. I mean, it's, it's a go-to. It's a go-to for a reason. Cash. Well, kids these days. Well, regardless of kids these days, I think that you should still use emojis in your ad copy. And the data does support it because it's been shown that emojis help increase conversions. And I think that's just because it, yeah, again, it helps your copy stand out in the feed, right? Like 
as opposed to a big chunk of text, you see little mini pictures that help support what it is that you're talking about. So even if you don't typically use emojis, or even if you are, you know, a member of what is it, Gen Z? Gen, yeah, I think I think Gen Z one. is the next one. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. I should know. We're not that old know. guys. We promise. We're but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, using emojis can help. Yeah, I will say too. You know, something that you, that sort of just brought up is even though emojis don't maybe for Gen Z, it's like I don't know out or whatever or you know, you don't typically use it in your brand, your brand copy. I think it's, it's okay to do stuff that you don't typically do or wouldn't be typically on brand for you. And this is, I think more true of the, on the creative side of things. Like uh, a lot of times we're saying like, Hey, we should try this. You know, even though you're, you would never do this organically, we should just at least test it in the ad and something that, especially with like very visually oriented, you know, clients who are like, this is, here's the guidelines for our imagery. You know, you often find that it, it works really well because just that alone, they're like, oh, that's so-and-so. Like I've never, you know, that caught my eye because it's so different than what I see typically see uh, out of them. So anyways, just kind of a little, that's a, a four, you know, a four sub point C in there. So. No, yeah. you you're right. And even to touch on that, this is not something I would recommend, but I do know that a way to increase your your conversion sometimes this is not foolproof by any means but if you have like an error in your ad copy or something that's that's a way that people like they get triggered they go oh my gosh what's going on here you know it's it's a way to way to get their attention and please please do not mishear me do not add typos to it your is ad true. copy people are please. probably sitting there like what are you talking about But it's, yeah, I mean, and just because people will comment, it's, I mean, it's funny because like what happens is, you know, people will comment and they'll, they'll say, oh, there's an error or whatever. But every time somebody comments, it's a, it helps your ad to a certain extent, you know, it's that engagement. It's like, that's the, that's the hard part is if someone leaves like sort of a bad or negative comment, you know, it kind of hurts. And obviously like it's a case by case basis, but if it's not like anything that you think really kind of hurts what you're doing. It's kind of helpful sometimes just to leave it because that's providing more engagement for your for your ad. I was reading it, running an ad recently and it it talked about in the ad it said like something about 2020 specifically, right? And so people kept on commenting, "Oh, it's 2021." And it's like, "Well, you know, there's a reason and I take that in that ad because it it was the best performing ad at the time and I don't care that it's, you know, like Obviously, more people were seeing it, more people were clicking on it, and you know, more people were converting on it. You know, at the end of the day, and so there's no reason for me to take it down. So I was like, okay, you know, as many people as they want can, you know, there's little sub conversations about it, like, oh, I noticed that too, and it's like, thank oh, you. <laughs> that, is that is really funny. Yes. Yeah, I would just, I mean, just to clarify too, I like, I would agree that we're not intentionally throwing errors. Certainly, so if clients are listening to this, we're not throwing errors into your, into your copy or your your ads just to get conversation or engagement. So. Right, right. But just taking that principle and and taking that a, a step further and just going things that can catch people's eye, right? And so whether that's numbers or emojis, like we talked about, you know, another thing that we'll do sometimes, especially testing versus options that don't have this are like using all caps, obviously not every single word in your ad copy being in all caps, but, you know, trying to draw attention to those, those 
keywords that you want people's eyes to be drawn to. So interspersing your copy with some some words with all text or or even this is kind of like a little trick that is definitely worth testing, maybe not using in every ad copy option that you have or even, you know, very much in within one option is using bold and italic text. Many people don't know that you actually can insert that into Facebook by using a tool called, I think it's yaytext.com. And there are probably other sites that do this too, but you can type in your words into a service like that and it will format them in a little bit of a different way, whether that's bold, italic. Uh, sometimes I like to use strike through text to kind of get people's attention. So, so by using that tool, you can actually use some formatting features in Facebook. Again, not something I would necessarily recommend across the board, but certainly something to test. Yeah, awesome. So tip number five, we're on our last tip here, just to recap for people so far, starting with the call to action landing page, speaking to your audience, don't be clever at the expense of being clear, standing out in the feed. We talked just a a few ways to do that. And the last one is, I feel like this is our last tip for a lot of stuff. We're, it's not a cop-out, people. It's, it's something that we actually believe in. Yeah. It is to test, test, test. Yeah. <laughs> so much enthusiasm. It's like people are like, really? We hear that all the time. But seriously, <laughs> do it. Right. I mean, and that's another thing that's easier said than done, right? I think a lot of us know in our heads, oh, yeah, we should test our, our ad creative, our ad copy, other formats of of work that we do. But really, it's so important. And actually, it's so easy in Facebook and Instagram, when you can literally just add in multiple headline options, you can add in multiple text options. And, you know, whether you want to do a a 50-50 split test that maybe requires a little bit more work on your end, or you can actually just do what Facebook calls, I think it's what is it dynamic testing? Like, yeah, dynamic, where yeah, it'll it'll run all the options and start to see what is performing best. And then it will deliver the top performing options to users likely to interact with it. So it's a really simple, convenient way of making sure that your case of ad copy showing the best ad copy to the user. Yeah. And we test, I mean, how many, how many versions of ad copy do we come up for a single campaign? Just ballpark. We always do five headline options and five uh, text options because that's the maximum that Facebook will allow in an ad set. But even going a little bit farther, sometimes with clients, we'll provide even more options just because either we're on a we're on a roll or we really just have so many ideas that that we're like, oh, this, this could really work, but but we'd love to just test it and see, even if it's something like we talked about earlier, maybe a little bit not off brand, but just not maybe as on brand as as other things that you've done in the past. So this is a perfect time to try short form and long form options. We usually do at least one or two of each, some in the middle. And of course, going back to to what works in the past too, because this is a great way once you started to test, you know, like we talked about earlier, uh, different clients have you know, their clientele might respond more to short form in general. Some might f- respond more to long form. Some might have love all those 
exclamation marks and emojis, and some might respond better to to just more simple basic text. So this is a good time to really build up that knowledge base of what do my target clients and customers respond well to. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking maybe we should uh, we should like provide as a download kind of a template for writing copy because I think we we do it in a way that's you know organized and you know I think lends itself to coming up with you know, we're generating more ideas. So maybe that's something that we should do. But, you know, like you said, just by by default, we're going to try to test the maximum amount of things that we can test uh, for any given campaign, at least to start, you know, before. And then, of course, things always need to be refined. And we take what we learned from previous campaigns as we create new campaigns for clients. But Facebook, Instagram, pretty much any platform I can think of off the top of my head makes it easy to test, you know. So there's no reason not to even if, again, you're not running like a split test, but maybe you're just setting things up as dynamic. And I know there's reasons not to set up things as, you know, dynamic creative, because sometimes you get a, a headline that really shouldn't go with a certain imagery or, you know, whatnot. Or, but in general, we found that it's a pretty, pretty solid way to test things. Well, anything else to add? One thing I might just touch on, just because you mentioned the image and how that relates to the text, it is pretty important that those two relate well. You know, we're talking mostly about ad copy today, but bearing in mind how that looks with, yeah, whether it's an image or a GIF or a video, like just making sure that, you know, the, the text, whether you have text overlay on that creative, that that matches with the ad copy. And then just taking this all a step farther and just keeping the overall user experience in mind, right? You know, like just coming back to basics, back to Tip number one, what is the ultimate call to action? Like, honestly, what's the ultimate goal of your business? And, and just making sure that, that that is an underlying current, the why of what you're doing. Just wanting to end on, on that kind of note. Yeah, absolutely. And something, you know, I think what might be helpful for people to, to hear just so that they understand how it all fits together you know, typically we're looking at, we require the landing page, sales page, whatever, in order to start on copy. We always start with copy when it comes to the ad. And that's going to provide the, really the angle, you know, so our copywriter's job, Sarah's job, Dylan's job is to really, you know, start coming up with that angle. And of course, that's always in collaboration with the the client. And that's really what's going to drive creative. So to a certain extent, we view uh, copy very foundationally there in just the whole ad development process. So Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, we rely on Sarah for so much. So we're so grateful for the work that she does with with Till and she's super talented. So if you have questions about this episode, feel free to reach out. We will throw them to Sarah and get back to you. And Sarah, if people want to follow along with you, where can they do so? You can follow along with me uh, while starting with my website, which is Sarah Klongerbow. And yes, I realize that's an, an odd name, but it gives me a good domain authority. <laughs> so Sarah is S-A-R-A-H. K-L-O-N-G-E-R-B-O.com. And then all of my social handles are all that as well. So at Sarah Klongerbow on Instagram and Pinterest, et cetera. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll be sure to have you on too, uh, soon for you know parts two, three, four, five, and so on of this episode. <laughs> 
Love it. Can't wait. Thanks, Davey.